Yeah, you know, we're all about the small and mid-sized companies that want to level up. You know, grow a little bit, make a little more money, have some more money for the family, whatever. What are the big companies doing that we can learn from them? I mean, you know, years ago, when I was a member of the association, new guy, any of the big companies we had, those guys were big companies because they were thieves and liars. But I, I looked at these people and I figured, you know what? Let me talk to these guys that are doing well and see what they're doing. And you know what I found out? They were breaking their ass. And these other guys were making up excuses. So if you're one of the guys, you want to expand your company and you want to have people talk about you, some of it good, some of it bad, you just want to make more money for your family or yourself, you've got to learn from the bigger companies. You could put your own spin to it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you see what they're doing, you could mold it and spin it to your needs. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. Right. So the largest pest control company in the U.S. using Podium are seeing huge success by opening up these different texting options for their business, communicating with customers on their terms, asking for reviews after every job. When you sign up at Podium, they dedicate time to building these processes and best practices out with you to make sure you see success right out of the gate. Now, how many, how many things can you do where right away you're gonna start seeing action? So listen, go to our website, colonyconfidential.com, look for tools of the trade, and click on the blue button if you like to learn more about how Podium can help you. Hi, I had a bunch of coffee this morning. Hey, 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 hey. hey. What kind of... It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> Breast Cancer Awareness Day. What's the matter with you? It's the month, but that hat... Oh, my goodness, brother. You know where I got this hat, right? Probably from the Birdcage movie? <laughs> no, I got it uh, when I, was, I attended the Gay Pride Parade. In um, Provincetown, Massachusetts. I was with my friend Walter, mm -hmm. also known as Wally, and Norman. And I saw nice this hat, hat and Ooh. I had to have it. All right, pass. So if you, look on, if you look on television today, everybody, well, Channel 4, they're all wearing pink. These old ladies be beating up boxing bags on Channel 4. Did so you I think see I get with it. Where's your colony pink hat? It has the breast cancer symbol yes, on the back. Yes, Searched high and low, and could you believe it? I couldn't find it. You're going to Kings Harbor. Well, where's yours? I don't have it on right now, but there's a picture. It's uh, breaking the internet right now. Some of the team members in front of the office yesterday. We all had the pink hats on. Oh, okay. I saw that picture, yeah. yeah. I didn't notice the pink hats, but anyway. Oh. Well, the caption did say, hat. look at everybody rocking the colony pink hat. You know, I don't read it. I just look at the picture. You know? I know. You like you like the kids. Uh -huh. look, at, look at that hat, bro. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do like a YMCA rendition for us? <laughs> I need some other guys. I, I can't do that alone. I could dance to it, but I don't, I don't have it on. I don't have it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so basically for those of you listening, Ed is wearing... Uh, sequent pink I don't even know if I could call that a newsboy hat but maybe it's a news girl hat I don't know it's a what it's style a, of a hat whatever you, know? you want it's a new thing it's whatever I'm identifying today with a man at least listen that's good so we can address you as sir yeah yeah awesome and it's pink and I got a pink shirt on nice I see it you're matching you're you're very you're very chic 
I'm right on it. I'm right on it. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. A lot of people wear pink. Just to bring awareness to breast cancer, a lot of us have been touched by it. Family, friends, what have you. It's good to bring awareness to it. It's good to donate to different types of cancer research. Or even there's other funds that you can donate to that just actually help the people, which we're more fond of. Some places in the city do stuff where there's housing while people go through chemo or while they go through their treatment, and you can donate to that. I prefer to do stuff like that where you know it's going directly to the people affected instead of researching. We do that with No Shave November. We donate money towards some type of research. You got to shake it up a little bit, you know? Yeah, I want to get stale. Are you participating in November, bro? I'm doing it in reverse. I'm taking a picture, you know, with a beard. And then um, you're going to have the before photo taken after I shave it off. Yeah. Last year, we didn't we, we didn't have a bunch of guys together. We did it individually, right? Yeah, because the fact that so many people from Colony are doing it now, which is great because we're donating more money, the upscale salon doesn't have the capacity to hold us. Honestly, they can't do more than eight guys in one sitting unless we went early in the morning because at max they have two to three barbers. So right. that was an issue last year. So we, on top of donating, we gave people gift cards and stuff like that. We'll see what happens this year with how many people participate and I'll try and get it done, try and figure it out. It's a team building thing. So I don't want to have four guys go to the Soho location and four guys go to the Midtown location and then four guys go to the West Side location because then it's not really team building. Yeah. I hear you. I so, hear you. Hello. 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 Oh, right. oh, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? So just for anybody that doesn't know what No Shember is, it's known as No Shave November. We'll talk about it more in November as well, but just a brief description. I don't know how long ago it was started, but it's basically you put – you raise it down for a month of November. And the idea behind it was whatever money you would spend on shaving that you would then donate to some type of cancer. And I think it actually started with testicular cancer. Um, yeah. So uh, a friend of ours in the industry, I know you're listening. He uh, actually had that, caught it early and beat it. Glad that you're still with us. So he actually does it with us. He doesn't live in New York, but uh, he does no Shemba with us and sends us pictures and he donates, of course. But it's just a good cause and it's good, you know, this is a good way to get employee engagement in the company, which is why I'm, I'm not happy about the uh, not being able to finish the month with us all getting a clean shave because that was cool. You've participated in the past. Some of your breakfast cronies did it with us. And it's just a nice event, especially at these upscale places in New York City, you know, it is expensive for a shave. It's upwards of $50. But for, you know, when we were going there with six to eight guys, you we were playing pool. They have a full bar with beer on tap, espresso, coffee, cappuccino, and, and you know, top shelf liquor. So it was team building. At the end of the day, we all met at one of these salons. The, usually the, the first day in December, everybody got a clean shave. We talked smack about work, played pool, and, ju and just hung out. And these are the things that you need to do with your employees. You, don't, you know, at least as an owner, manager, you got to get to know them and let them get to know you that you're not just some big, whatever your title is, president, CEO, owner of the company. Let them know that you're a normal guy. It, it it helps them realize that they're not just working for a paycheck or working for some guy that doesn't care about them. Once you start to talk to them, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's good, Jim. Sure. 
you got to go out and like I, you know, I tell you, you got to mingle with the customers. You don't mingle with the employees. Uh, you're just not doing it right. You got to go out and show them you're human. And and that's on every level because you see all of these posts on social media about boss and it's a guy in a chair like barking orders, and then you see leader and it's the guy in the front of the pack who's pulling the sled while all of the other people are behind them. We got some more Q&A. This is really good. Let me start Let me start with your favorite, right? My question is about collections. How do you go about getting past due payments from your customers? I have a client who's been great for six years, but now racked up about $2,500 in bed bug work at one of his smaller apartment buildings, and he's been delinquent for over seven months. Do you use a collection agency just call it a loss or go pay them a visit. Go pay them a visit. Listen, there's always options. Maybe the guy's got a problem, which he's making your problem, which is not acceptable. Maybe you can work out a payment, but I wouldn't do any more work for him until, uh, well, any work I do from the future, after I work out the monthly payments, you got to pay it COD. I want cash when I go there. Basically, after seven months, you, you didn't make any money. After three Even months. Even if you collect it, you ain't making any money. How the hell did you let it go for seven months? Jesus Christ. You know, I had I had an account, a big account, I'm not going to mention. The deal was they paid every uh, 150 days, five oh. months. And and you had to call, 150 a day call. Because if you didn't, they wouldn't pay. They like, oh, did we forget? You know damn well you forgot. So, you, you know, if you, if you got a customer and you got a 30 days, uh, 60 days, 90 days, when that time is up, bada-bing. Not like, oh, 90 days. Well, they're probably mailing it out today. I don't want to disturb them. The hell with them. They got your money. They got their hand in your pocket. You know, it's your fault what happened. You let them go. Oh, it was a good customer. I have a little time. Uh, you know, bullshit. Well, listen, I think all small business owners make this mistake at one time or another, but I think if you certainly if you have not had a conversation with them, you need to go have a conversation. Face if, to face. If they well, yeah, if they're not picking up the phone, you got to go track them down. One might say park outside a, a place that you know where they live so that you could catch them off guard or where they uh, this is alleged. Don't worry about it. But, you know, it's not against the law to find somebody and ask for your money. It's against the law to put your hands on them, threaten them, and all that other stuff, which we don't condone. Okay, to break the glass in their office and go in and ask for your money. No, that's only in the movies. I can't. All I could tell you is I may or may not had a customer that thought he was slick. This is when you could still find stuff on Google, right? Thought he was slick. And it was peanuts. We were getting peanuts. We were getting like $65 a building from him over 10 years ago. And he was mad because we were only getting in like maybe five apartments, if we were lucky, out of like 30 apartments, right? So, Which is actually not bad because it's over 10%. So he was like, I don't think I should pay this much. And then he owed us like for like four months. And I was like, look, you just got to pay your bill. So he sent me a check. For what he thought he wanted to pay. Right. And at the bottom of the check, he wrote, this check, once cash is considered final payment and all of my company stuff is in good standing. So I may or may not have rang his doorbell at 6.30 at night with the check 
and just told him like, look, we're never going to do business again, but I need the check for everything or I might not be the person that rings your bell next. He cut the check right there while I was in his living room. Good. These are things that people may or may not do. You know, times are tough right now. Collection agencies are great. If you're going to do a collection agency, I would say to vet them really well. Some of the better ones, you're already taking a loss. So there are ones that have a whole breakdown as if they get it in X amount of time, you get this. If they get it later, you get less. And then there are other ones that just buy the debt outright. And they'll give you, let's say, 50 cents on a dollar or something along those lines. So I think with this customer that's six years, if you you probably have some type of relationship with them, I would go talk to them and see what's going on. My other question is, the other properties that they have with you, are those up to date? And is it just this, this big bed bug bill? Offer them some type of payment plan. And depending on how those questions are answered, if they're paying their regular bills but not this... Don't do any large jobs again for them without a deposit or a credit card. And I hope you have a contract. We, we speak about contracts all the time. In the contract, it should say when payment is due. You should have penalties for not paying in time because then you can use that as leverage and say, well, you know, it's already seven months and you've been racking up 3% a month. If you pay me right now, I'll waive those fees. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing, too, I, I did this a couple of times. But once you do it, you never do business with the person again. You put a mechanic's lien on all their property, on their corporation. And if they go to sell a building, buy whatever, they can't until they pay off the debt they owe you. And they show up, the, the two times they did it, they show up at the office. And they that was six years ago. I'm not even charging interest. Give me the money. So, and that's you know what? Done. It meant nothing to me because I had lost the money. But it was nice to pick up some reasonable cash go have a nice lunch or whatever you wanted to do with it depending on a dollar amount i think 2500 is still small claims court that's how you get the mechanics lean i started i didn't know anything about this kind of stuff and um you know you talk to guys and that that was what was good about the association you had those monthly meetings and uh you mentioned your problems to somebody that's had more experience than you and they tell you about this thing and you go do it and you know what? It works. Yeah. No, listen, there's a, a lot of ways to skin a cat. But I think these are the two things that a lot of people struggle with is is managing the finances and getting paid and making sure to get paid and employees. Right. Depending on the month, one is more important than the other or more stressful than the other. Right, right. So uh, here's another pricing question. What about pricing against the national franchise companies? I'm in business six years now, and I've tried to keep my prices a little under the going rates at the national companies that do a lot of service in my area. Listen to you guys. I got to ask, is this a good idea? Well, national companies cannot move as quick as you can as far as business goes. Uh, Their um, policy and procedures are dictated by... um, and so I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about advantages you have besides the money. So pricing is one of it, but there's other options to beat them too. It does go back to what you want and what your rates are and what you think you're worth and what you want your profit to be. And that's how you should be pricing it. And the thing about these national companies, you got to remember, they have salespeople that have to meet a quota. We see it all the time 
where we walk into XYZ commercial location and it's priced at $60 an hour. And then the same company in the exact type of location is priced at $170 an hour. But my point is, if you go into a location that's priced at $65 by a major franchise and you're wondering how the hell they could do it, you don't want to cut that price. You want to tell them your price and then you want to sell your service and you who you are. Like you said, you're not a national company. You're not calling an 800 number. At times you're calling, you know, when I was younger and, and the business was smaller, you're calling my cell phone number. You're getting me and I'm coming. And then you graduate from that. So it's all about, it's, it's really about selling your service and why you're better. Like you said many years ago and you just alluded to, those franchises are like a cruise ship and it takes them seven hours to make a left turn. We're a speedboat. We're turning on a dime when we need to. You know, I interviewed for one of the top five companies back in 2002, right before I started the business. And they had an approved pesticide list, right? And in the interview with the, the branch manager, he showed it to me. And I said to him, I said, yo, this chemical doesn't even work for roaches anymore. It was a gel that at the time had been shown to have uh, resistance. And he was like, yeah, I know, but we're not allowed to use anything else until it comes down from the top. <laughs> so there's just so many things that you can do as a smaller business to not compete on price. You also had a great point. Your expenses are less, so you should be able to compete on price also. So I don't think it's a good idea to compete on price alone. I think you should know what you want to get know what you're comfortable accepting if you could get more and and price it on that and be happy because doing a lot of work for fucking ten dollars or doing a little bit of work for a hundred dollars i'm going with a hundred dollars you know you're still doing the same quality and what ends up happening to the mindset of an of sometimes of us as owners is even though it may not even be conscious it may be subconscious when you go into that place and you know you're not getting that money you don't spend yeah. the same amount of time. You don't do the same amount of work as that customer. And it's subconscious that you're doing it because you're pissed. That you're not a happy camper. Yeah. You don't have that effervescent glow. They don't know that you're a wonderful person. Uh, you don't feel wonderful. You feel like you're getting screwed. But you're the one set it up to get screwed. Correct. So I think the consensus from uh, the brains and the gadabout is... Uh, you shouldn't do it based off price alone. Yeah? Right. You agree, Absolutely. sequence? Yeah. All yeah. right. So here's a good one. You might like to hear this. I'm learning so much from the show. Thank you both for bringing us this training in a fun, entertaining way. You have encouraged me to step up and keep looking for ways to improve. For new residential services, do you charge an initial setup price? How do you get new customers to sign up for a monthly service plan? So, well, yeah, we charge a clean-out price because, you know what, they usually don't call you when they got like one or two roaches. Just to be very quick with the answer, and then we could go on about it. We do charge an initial setup, and we do tell them, depending on what it's for, that they should have follow-up visits, and it's good to go on a maintenance plan so you don't have it get to this level. And then, for the initial setup, there's different levels to it in the sense that you can have our, let's say for a residential home, a quarterly service exterior only, right? Where you come every quarter, you, you treat the exterior, 
to stop stuff from coming in. This may or may not include rat bait stations on the outside as proactive. Depends on how you want to sell the service. But again, this comes down to selling how good you are and what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, giving the client peace of mind, right? Um, there are people that have all types of add-ons to their service. Like if you want the base price when it's exterior only, if you call us for the interior, you know, you can add it. And, and then they have prices built in to their sales sheet. Then people have like the platinum package and there's all different names out there for the packages. And that includes everything, right? Unlimited calls for the year, you know, regular exterior spraying. If you call us, we come out, we treat for mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, everything. So to answer the guy's question, I think we answered the initial setup piece. And how do you get customers to sign up for a monthly service plan? You sell it. You tell them why they need it. And you make sure that they understand it's going to be peace of mind. You know? And also, doing a good job will help them sign up for the plan. I was going to say, you're selling your personality. So with these home, home, you know, residential accounts, a lot of it's personality. Right. Coming up next time on Colony Confidential. What is the rule of thumb for raising prices? Do you raise all your customers every year? We have customers for 10 to 15 years and have never raised their prices. They're still paying $50 a month for a service that a new client pays close to $200 for. What's our take on that? Looking forward to seeing uh, Select Insurance at Pestworld. Frank and Phyllis McDonald, great people. The company has come leaps and bounds since the talent over here has started dealing with them. They're a great American success story. I've always believed in the American dream. 1992-93, I was speaking upstate. Lady came over to me and said, you know, I'm, I have this uh, insurance business. I might be able to help you. Took a card. The company I had, every year had to be raised. And this year that when she approached me, I had a $90,000 claim, which was BS. But you know, they'd rather just pay it off than defend you. And then, of course, was coming, oh, now you got to get it. Anyway, the insurance was up to like $32,000 a year. I said, fine, you know what? Hold off, I want somebody else to look at it. Phyllis came back with $17,000. And I said, you know, I saw the thing, everything was there just like the other one. I called this other, I can't curse, this other person, anyway, called me back. He said his friend who was another insurance agent could do it for $19,000. And I lost my cool. I said, you know what? No. I don't even want to talk to you. You lost your cool? I told him, why couldn't you do that? So anyway, I went with her. It was a happy relationship. She's a very nice person. I had buildings I owned, apartments I owned, cars, trucks, whatever. I had to get in, you know, I had to get a very big umbrella policy because my son Joey was tearing up the neighborhood. No, you have to get and an umbrella policy to cover... Your business has nothing to do with your children. Well, I had one for you too, whatever they called it. Fine, whatever. So, anyway, I'm not done. I know, but I wish you Anyway, were. over the years, it was really good to see, like, she was that good. I recommended it to people without any hesitation. Just a, just a nice person that's living the American dream. And God bless her son. He, uh, we're both lucky. We both had great sons that knew how to run a business. Phyllis McDonald and Select Insurance went from... Upstate New York, as I call Westchester, and now they're all over the country. So Mr. and Mrs. America, ownerships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential, wishing you a good day or an evening as the case may be. Until we meet again, God bless you.